Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, March 6, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, you and I both had theatrical experiences on Saturday. You, I don't know like how much you want to say, even though it's not a press ticket, it's a show that is in previews. Um, but you saw a show. I'll, let, I'll turn it over to you so you can say what, if anything, you want to say about that here in a second. I went down to West Palm Beach and saw uh, Jessica Vosk in concert on Saturday night. My parents actually saw her in the villages which is north of Orlando, uh, on Tuesday. And um, I didn't go with them because I went to see the national tour of Pretty Woman. So I went down to West Palm on Saturday. She was fantastic. She's finishing up her tour, uh, her concert tour. It's really fantastic. So if you have a chance to see her in the last few stops on her tour across the country, highly recommend that. Grace, you had a very different theatrical experience on Saturday. Again, in previews at New York Theater Workshop. So I don't know how much you want to say, but... I know, right? Because it's like I wasn't given press tickets for this, but it doesn't open until March 13th. So it's kind of not fair. But I feel like I can say with 100% certainty, if you all don't buy a ticket right now, I'm unfortunately going to have to find a way to buy a ticket. And that's not good for my health. Yeah. Tell <laughs> tell them what the show is. Tell them what the show is. How to Defend Yourself at New York Theater Workshop by Liliana Padilla. Co-directed by three amazing directors, including Rachel Chapkin and Liliana themselves, was absolutely in my top theatrical experiences that I judged from the second it started. I said, this is what this play is about. I've seen this play before. Like, it was really shitty of me. I was dead front front row center. Thank you again, Matt. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. (laughs) And, um... I just can't stop thinking about it. I actually replayed it in my head this morning when I woke up. Um, I kind of played it back um, when I was kind of rehashing all of this last night at dinner, after dinner, at the thing that I went to after dinner. It was just, I really can't stop thinking about what an expertly written play this was within an hour, 40 minutes, especially. It, it really it was so moving, and I, I really want to talk about it more once it opens, but I'm just imploring you all to try to get a ticket right now. Yeah. Well, I My favorite shows are what you just described. Things that you go in thinking you know what it is because you've seen something like it or the way that the, the press materials or marketing materials make it seem you're like, okay, I know exactly what this is. And then you go in and like halfway through, you're like, oh shit, I, this is not what I thought this was at all. It is something completely different and something so much better for it. So it sounds like that's the experience you had. And I'm very, very glad that it was um, as as positive relative, you know, your the emotional impact of a show like that can be. Um, but that's exactly the type of theater that we want. That's what that's what I think we all, every time we go to the theater, that's the type of experience that we strive and hope to have. So, um, of course, whenever that show opens on the 13th, I'm sure that you will be talking about that, uh, as well as much more in every episode of Broadway Radio that you can hear over at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Uh, all right, let's get into the news. A bunch of little nuggets here that I want to talk about at the top of the show with some show and casting news as the onslaught of Mean Girls, the mu- the musical movie casting uh, continues to trickle out. We got another person joining this uh, Paramount Plus bound adaptation, and that is original star of the musical, Ashley Park. We do not know what her role will be. It is being defined as a cameo, according to E.T. Uh, Entertainment Tonight. Don't know what that is, but it certainly makes sense, given the fact that not only was she in the original cast, she has become 
arguably, I, I mean, actually, probably not even arguably, uh, the biggest star from that original cast uh, after the fact that, that that the show was on. And she continues to work with Tina Fey um, in uh, in Girls 5 Eva, as, as Tina Fey is an executive producer on that. Would not be surprised if more of that cast, uh, especially Erica Henningsen, who is also a... Uh, a recurring person on Girls 5 Eva. I would not be surprised if we start to see some of the other ones, Taylor and Kate and some of the other ones too, jumping in there. But this cast, I mean, they're really killing it. We didn't get a chance to talk about Busy Phillips uh, joining the cast, which I know I was really, I said it on yeah, the show the other day us. after that was announced. I was like, I, but I was really <laughs> disappointed that like we didn't think of that. Like none of us thought about that, but like it should have been again with the Girls 5 Eva connection and Tina Fey, you know, executive producing that show. Like it, we probably should have figured that one out ahead of time. I'm, I have to, I have to disagree. I really wanted really? Rachel McAdams in that role. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. Yeah. I love busy. You know, we've talked yeah. about this a million times mm-hmm. and we should have seen this coming, but at the same time, I really would have liked to have seen Rachel McAdams do this. It's kind of a miss. Uh, Rachel McAdams dating back, <laughs> dating back to wedding crashers and probably before, but especially in wedding crashers has always been one of my favorites. She's uh, she's just fantastic. But moving on, um, we got a, an announcement last week that Maude Apatow is going to be extending her run as Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors off-Broadway. She will now be running through April 30th in the role, starring opposite Tony winner Matt Doyle. In other news, there's a phenomenal cast announcement that came out last week for the upcoming production of A Little Night Music at the Pasadena Playhouse. They are doing this um Great run of shows of Sondheim, uh, productions of Sondheim shows over this year. It is the 50th anniversary production of A Little Night Music. It'll begin performances on April 25th and run uh, through May 21st as of now. The cast has a ton of Broadway names uh, in it, but the one that is super exciting for me is the fact that Merle Dandridge is going to play Desiree Armfelt. Uh, Merle Dandridge, of course, last seen on Broadway in Once on This Island, uh, but also recently seen in the first episode of The Last of Us, playing a character that she also plays in the video game. So that was very exciting. She's going to be in it. Michael Hayden is playing uh, Frederick. Jody Long is playing Madam Armfeld. Um, some other names in there you might recognize. Ruby Lewis from Paramore is playing Petra. Ryan Silverman is playing Count Carl Magnus Malcolm. And Kaylee Ann Voorhees is playing Anne. Uh, if you are in the Pasadena area, <gasps> certainly recommend it. What was that? Kaylee Ann Voorhees? Yes. Oh, my God, a star. Yeah. You guys have to see her. Oh, my God. She's really good. Yeah, she was in Prince of Broadway uh, <laughs> that took a me. couple of seasons. Ago. Yeah, <laughs> no. you're welcome. That's a good, you're, you're, you're allowed to do that. Um, and one more show and casting thing that I want to mention, The Play That Goes Wrong has now extended its run uh, at New World Stages. It just on Saturday played its 1,000th performance off Broadway at New World Stages. It is now on sale through October 29th of this year. All right, let's run through this week's theatrical schedule. It's a little lighter, mainly because there's not a lot of closings this week, but we do have a glut of Broadway things happening. But let's start first off-Broadway. On Tuesday, the Keen Company will officially open Lynn Nottage's Crumbs from the Table of Joy. This is, I think, the first professional show that Lynn Nottage ever had produced. So this is the first revival of it. It is set against the social politics of the 1950s, and it follows 17-year-old Ernestine Crump as she adjusts to life after the passing of her beloved mother. The show is currently scheduled to run through April 1st. In the cast are Chanel Bailey, Jason Bowen, Sharina Martin, Natalia Payne, and Malika Samuel, and Colette Robert is directing. Uh, 
Then on Wednesday, we start hitting a run of Broadway things midweek. I think a show that at least I am most curious about because I really have no idea what to expect of this begins performances at the Nederlander Theater. And this is shucked. It will officially open on April 4th. This at one point. It's almost a month of previews. Yeah, but that's normal. That's what it used to be. Like it, it yeah. yeah, that's that's fairly normal. But it that it, you're right that the preview period has gotten either like shrunk or extended for a lot of these shows. And I'm I'm not exactly sure. Obviously, they're all different for every reason. But I'm I'm not sure when that that started to be more flexible for a lot of folks. But this show at one point was the Hee Haw musical. That's what it was called. Yes. And it has obviously changed quite a bit. It is being directed by Jack O'Brien, who, if he doesn't show up in a corn costume to opening night, I'll be very disappointed. It is choreographed by Sarah O'Glebby. It features a book by O'Gleby. Robert O'Glebby. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, a book by Robert Horn and music by real life Nashville singer songwriters Brandy Clark and Shane McAnally. And they also provide the lyrics as well. The cast is tremendous. Um, John Bailman, Kevin Cahoon, Andrew Durand, Gray Henson, Caroline Inner-Bickler, Alex Newell, Audrey Cardwell is in there uh, as well, Scott Stangland, um, Quinn and uh, Quinn Van Antwerp. Um, a lot of names that you either know from Broadway or maybe seen on national tours. It looks funny based off the marketing materials, and I've seen a little bit of the, the press preview rehearsal, but I really don't have any clue as to what it is or like is it a story is it a bunch of sketches hee-haw style like i i just don't know so i'm very curious to hear the first reports on wednesday i'm sure our friend ashley hufford will probably be there at the first preview because she's at the first preview of we're going together oh are you really okay well <laughs> that's <all right>. nice. <laughs> i mean Great. we're not literally going together but we talked about it last week that we're going to pre-game and are you get going corn to the, beforehand to yes, the first yeah. preview to the first preview Oh, of course. We That's great. See Caroline's Broadway debut. Are you out of your mind? That's a good point. That's a good point. We yeah, yeah. Thinking about like if we we're gonna try to, you know, finagle a way to to go to the last, you know, dress rehearsal, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I want to see the crowd roar at the Nederlander. You know, yeah. it's it's <laughs> such it a special theater for me. But yeah. um, yeah, like I. I'm thrilled. I've obviously known and followed this journey for a very long time for a number of reasons. Um, I saw, I found a post from F from like 2013 that mm-hmm. said, Shuck, the, 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 you know, first day of, of class or school or whatever the hell actors post. And I just like, I'm, I'm thrilled. And what's funny is yes, the, the, the way that they have uh, decided to brand and market the show in this like very funny and conventional way is working. But what's great is that I believe if I'm not, not crazy, they did post the entire plot and nobody cared. Like really? it, it went on deaf ear. Yes. People didn't like watch it. Like they, they put it in a video. They were like, here's the plot and nobody cared because they don't care. And, and and maybe they don't right now, and that's fine, but it's kind of funny. All right, I'm going to have to go back and look. Like a social media post is what you mean? They- yeah, I believe so. But that was the bit. Like people have been commenting on the fact that like they kind of have said what it is about, but no one really cares in this moment. They're just enjoying all the corn puns, which is yeah. the bit. Um, and then lots – if you follow Catherine Quinn – She's been fo- she's been posting a lot as like Robert Horn's writing assistant. Um, she's a great TikToker to follow as well. But she has been doing a lot of behind the scenes, and um, it's been very punny and a little corny, if you ask me. So, uh, well um, yeah. So I'm I'm really looking forward to reporting back, even though it's in previews and I can't do that so much on the show. But I will absolutely be there. 
Amazing. And the the fact that you've already talked to Ashley about being there, it makes it perfect because, of course, she's going to be there as well. Uh, All right. So we do actually have a Broadway opening this week, and it'll actually happen on Thursday. And it is the opening of the new production of Henrik Ibsen's A Doll's House, directed by Jamie Lloyd and having just a, a tremendous cast led by Oscar winner Jessica Chastain. Also, in uh, in the cast is Arian Moyad as Torvald. Okarite Anadawan is in there as well. Tasha Lawrence, Michael Patrick Thornton, uh, and Jezmil Darbuzi. I've heard, I'm just going to say it, Grace. I've heard some weird things about this one. I will be also with a with a new book by uh, Amy Herzog. I do want to yes. shout out that like she's really reworked. Ibsen's uh, original um, in a in a very new way. Yes, um, I will be fascinated to see. The I will on be this there one. on opening night. Will you? Okay, great, 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 great. Yeah, um, I'll be reporting back. Yeah, it's directed by Jamie Lloyd, but the Sam Gold of it all is feeling very. Very present. Oh, you mean in stylistically? Stylistically. Like, He's not involved. No, no. <laughs> Sam Gold is not involved. But like the stylistic choices feel very Sam Goldy to me from what I've heard. So, yeah, um, I mean, I would definitely the way that people have, you know, discussed and, and, and I remember seeing it. Betrayal on Broadway is in sure. the same vein. And I didn't get an opportunity to see um, the the Cyrano oh. that at oh. BAM that yeah, he did. I I. I Oh, I did not. No, I did not see that one. I saw the Cyrano musical. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, Sally Forth, I suppose. Um, then also on Thursday, we have two Broadway shows beginning their previews. The first one is happening over at the Vivian Beaumont Theater. And that, of course, is Camelot, which we have talked about quite a bit already on the show, directed by Bartlett Shear and featuring a new book by Aaron Sorkin. Of course, the music is by Lerner and Lowe. The cast is tremendous. Andrew Burnap plays uh, King Arthur. Philippa Sue plays Guinevere. Jordan Donica plays uh, Lancelot. Also in the cast, uh, Dagan Matthews, Fergie Philippe, Taylor Trench, um, so many other folks. I Obviously, the, 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 the revival that I'm most looking forward to this spring is Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Yeah, but Camelot is a pretty close second for me. Um, and I've talked about why th- th- that I love this show, but like I really am just kind of fascinated by this cast. We talked about the the press preview that you went to a couple weeks ago. Um, absolutely following falling more and more in love with Philippa Sue with every video that they post of her. So uh, I'm excited about this one uh, tremendously, probably more than a lot of like normal theater people are, because I think a lot of theater people have written off Camelot as being long and boring and doesn't have a point. I disagree. So I'm very excited to see this uh, when I'm in town in May. Well, in the in the preview, I'll say this. Mr. Aaron Sorkin said he wanted to create a Camelot that was rooted in reality, of course, you know, and and he wanted it to feel he wants it to be like non mystical. But I'm like, I mean, we do have Merlin. Yeah. Like he wanted it to be the most. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I am very curious. Yeah. Like you've got a. Merlin, you've got the the witch, uh, Morgana Le Fay. And so, like, this is not like a show that doesn't have mystical, magical things like inherent in its plot. So it'll be interesting to see what Aaron does with that. Of course, Aaron Sorkin has basically referenced Camelot in every single project he's ever written. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what this looks like when he is finished with it. 
Um, also coming up on Thursday is the first preview of Life of Pi happening over at uh, the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater. You saw it uh, down at Cambridge, Massachusetts, directed by Max Webster and written by Lolita Chakrabarty. Um, the cast has had a little bit of turnover from uh, from Cambridge, bringing in some of the, the stars from the original West End production. You've talked about kind of what a magical theatrical experience it was to see it. Uh, at ART, so I'm sure that it will be one that kind of dazzles audiences um, when it finally makes it to Broadway ahead of its opening night on the 30th at the end of the month. And then the very last show that we will talk about also opens on Thursday the 9th, a very busy day of the 9th. We talked about this um, in last week's uh, schedule as well because it's had a very short preview period. This is Ryan J. Haddad's Dark Disabled Stories at the Public Theater. Um, this is the um, off-Broadway debut for uh, for Haddad. He is writing, uh, it's kind of an autobiographical play told in a series of unforgiving vignettes about the strangers he encounters while navigating a city and a world not built for his walker or cerebral palsy. It is directed by Jordan Fine um, and uh, features Dickie Hartz as the lone one-person performer. So keep an eye out for those reviews. All right, Grace, a story that I feel like when I saw this, I was like, this is everything that encapsulates Grace Aki's personality into one or oh, her or your, or your aesthetic, at least um, it's been reported by curbed, which is um, a New York magazine, um, like real estate uh, publication um, that the cherry lane theater, which you and I have seen shows at together has been sold to film studio a 24, which is like the coolest, best film studio out there. They're probably going to win Best Picture. I'm knocking on wood for you with everything everywhere all at once. Um, and a deed was filed on Friday, and it looks like they have bought the Cherry Lane Theater for $10 million. Um, Netflix has done similar things with buying old movie theaters that were kind of older and struggling to keep the Paris up. Theater. The Paris Theater, yeah. the Egyptian Theater in Los Angeles. This is the, the 100th anniversary of the Cherry Lane Theater. It became a playhouse in 1923. It is the oldest continuously running off-Broadway theater in the city. It is literally like the place that I feel like you most identify as where you want to do a show at some point. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but this is kind of amazing. And I didn't know that this had any, it, like this was happening. We'd previously talked about the fact that the owners of the Cherry Lane Theater were looking to sell it. Um, I don't know what A24 wants to do with it, but if they want to like bring one person shows and turn them into movies or vice versa or do whatever, or use it for any kind of programming, I think that would be amazing. Matt is correct. Matt texted me immediately as soon as we got this this notice. And I had known I had I had kind of like done some like searching and my agents said, like, you know, we know it's in negotiations because, you know, anyone close to me knows that this has been like my biggest dream. Yeah. One of my biggest dreams like forever is is being able to do the show there. Um, but when I heard that A24, my favorite film house, <laughs> bought it. Because we were like, who's buying it? Because we knew that they were in negotiations for the past months, months and months of negotiations that it was being sold. And I was really nervous that it was going to be like turned into something else. Um, but yeah. my understanding is that it will stay a theater. And I'm just asking Jenny Slate personally at this point, <laughs> if I write Marcel the Shell, the musical, oh the my book, God. can she produce To Free a Mockingbird at the Cherry Lane? <laughs> 
who's to say? Um, but no, I, I'm I'm thrilled for this acquisition, and I'm and I'm hopeful that it continues to stay what it is because that is what similarly the Paris and Netflix have done. But those were film houses, you know. So I, I just I I'm hoping that this continues to stay a great home and hub for new innovative, but also like tried and true like comics the way that like Colin Quinn and Mike Birbiglia and all these other people have kind of like made it a home in the West Village. Gosh, it's it's really exciting. It's really exciting. I'm very hopeful. I felt like it was Christmas on Friday. Yeah. yeah I don't know what else they would buy it for. Like it's not big enough to be a a movie venue or like it's a screening so cool venue. cool of them. Yeah. Oh. Like, this is like really the only thing you could buy that for is A, for the real estate, which I don't think that they have any need to just like buy a $10 million building in, you know, in the village. Um, so it feels like they just have to want to just keep continuing this and maybe use it as an incubator for potential projects or maybe film things, um, you know, like comedy, stand up storytelling specials uh, that they want to that they want to distribute. But either way, very, very exciting. And my fingers remain crossed for you and maybe Jenny Slate as well. Anything else, Grace, before we wrap up, anything that you need to tell the folks or recommend or anything? I just need everybody to go see how to defend yourself. New York Theater Workshop. I'll put a link in the show notes. So can definitely <laughs> I'm do like that. Politely begging all of you. <laughs> yeah, as as uh, you should. Trigger uh, warning, it's very challenging. Please look at the the subject matter before you go, because I did not, and that was challenging as a front row person, but I just I can't talk about it enough. So I'll leave it alone. Grace, I feel like we've talked about the subject yeah. matter on this show multiple times. So like I'm not sure how you didn't know what you know, it was about. Shows I see in a week. That's a good point. <laughs> And how many like podcasts do you do uh, uh, on a daily basis or a weekly basis? I have basis? three after this recording. Of course. Of course you do. All right, everybody. That's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all forms of social media for the time being at It's Grace Hockey. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Monday, a wonderful week, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.